Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to episode 17 of the All New Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the live Q&A that went out at the end of March 2022. This podcast is only made possible thanks to the financial support of my Patreon campaign. So a huge thank you to all of my supporters for making this possible. And if you like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. We are live. Good afternoon, everybody. Good, good evening. That's the first question for today. Is this afternoon or evening? It's five o'clock. Do you class it as afternoon or evening? Let's get the important stuff out of the way. Uh, welcome to the March live Q&A. Um, as always with these things, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making these videos possible. And the format of today's show is going to be the same as normal. I'm going to spend the first half of the show going through all of the questions that I've been asked uh, beforehand on the BGG Guild. Uh, and then I'm going to be going to the live questions. So if you are going to be here for about an hour and a half, if you can hang fire with the live questions for now uh, and ask them when we get to that part of the show. If you can't hang around for the whole thing and you do want to ask your questions now, just put the word question in capital letters first. Uh, and Vicky will see that and she'll transfer it into the doc. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. So yeah, thank you very much to everybody for joining me. And we are going to make a start. So um, my, my commands aren't working, which is a shame. Um, but there is a there is a board game geek guild. If you're not a member of the guild, please join up. There is going to be some more discussion going on there uh, at the moment. I say that every month. Um, but one thing I do is about three or four days before these live Q and A's, I always post a message to the guild to ask for questions in advance. This is primarily for two reasons. One, so that uh, the people who can't make the live show can still ask me questions. And two, so that I have a little bit of time to prepare. Because I'm not good with, with live questions. So I've had a little bit of time to prepare for these. Uh, and I'm going to go through them now. So the first question is uh, from Monica. So Monica can't make it to the live show because she's travelling to Oslo, where she's taking part in the Norwegian Swimming Championship. So good luck in advance, Monica. Um, right, the question is... Any new video games on the horizon? So I have covered some video games before uh, on the channel, uh, and there are a number of video games that I do want to cover some more of. I want to do some more Slay the Spire, um, since Rick kindly gave me a copy of that. So I've got that recently. Uh, I do enjoy Frostpunk, um, Gloomhaven Digital, if that kind of counts as a video game. Um, it's just a case. Of, it's just a case of time. So no more on the horizon. Oh, I want to do some Tainted Grail Conquest as well, because I played a lot of Tainted Grail Conquest over Christmas. Um, and I really got to grips with the game and it was a bit of a hurdle to get to that stage but then when I got to that stage I thought right I need to do some videos on it to help other people and then never got around to it. Um, so yes no plans but they are still things that I, I want to do. Um, next question is from Sir Martin will I be playing Hoplomarchus Victorum live after it is sent out? Absolutely 100% yes. Uh, I will definitely be covering Hoplomarchus Victorum when it comes out um, and I've already got plans to get Ricky Royal round uh, to join me because Ricky's a big fan of the game um, and I enjoy playing games with him. Now, Ricky is actually coming round in April. We're going to be doing a burn cycle playthrough together, um, but I'd, I'd love him to come round and do Hoplomarchus as well. But no, I will definitely be covering it on the channel. And one of the advantages with it is it's, it's a solo game, so I don't have um, to schedule other people for coming round and things like that. Um, Miguel is asking, am I going to Lyriacon this year? No, I made the decision uh, not to go to Lyriacon this year. I actually had two events that were supposed to be happening, well, now. 
I think it's now, isn't it? It, it would be now. Um, yeah, there was there was Czech gaming in the Czech Republic and LiriaCon over in Portugal, uh, but due to a combination of circumstances, I'm not going to any of them. Uh, I'm going to be here instead doing more more playthrough videos for you. Um, but yeah, no LiriaCon for me this year. Hopefully next year. Hopefully next year. Uh, Casey is asking, what is the heaviest, most brain-frying game you've ever played and still had a good time with? And would, stroke, have you played it again? Um, there's a few games. There's, there's, there's the big two games which I've played lots of, which are Mage Knight and Through the Ages, both of which I class as very heavy games, but I put in the time and effort to learn them and I would definitely play them again. Anything by Vital Lacerda. Um, On Mars is probably his heaviest game. And I do enjoy On Mars, but I will be honest with you, On Mars, at the stage where I am with my gaming life, is On Mars is outside of my comfort zone in terms of complexity. Now, the only reason that I would be able to sit down and play a game of On Mars now is because I did help do some development work on the game in the latter stages. I wrote the rulebook from scratch, and I did the how to play video. What that means is that on Mars, for me, I'm comfortable with the game because I've put in all of that time and effort into learning it. If you gave me, uh, if you taught me how to play on Mars now, and it, it, and I wasn't professionally involved in the project, I would probably play it once and then not again, because it is outside of my complexity comfort zone. But as I say, because I've, because I've played it a few times, I am comfortable with it and I'd play that again. But yeah, definitely, definitely Mage Knight through the ages and. Um, uh, and probably on Mars. They might be the three heaviest games that I've ever played. Thinking about it, I'd need to have a look through my collection and my playlist and compare it to the weight ratings on BGG. If you are watching this live and you know of a game heavier than those three that I have played, please let me know uh, in the live chat now. Right, uh, Wade is asking, any chance that I'm going to BGG con this fall? No, I currently have no plans to go back to any American conventions. Um, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one of them is is related to my physical health. Travelling all of that way to America, um, and I don't travel well, so I suffer from all sorts of um, insomnia issues and anxiety and things like that. So by the time I get to America, I'm a complete wreck. I've been awake for 20 hours. Then I suffer from similar health symptoms while I'm there. And basically, although I love Gen Con and BGG Con and Origins, they're the three that I've been to, absolutely love going to them, I normally get about two to three hours sleep a night. And that's not because I'm up late partying or playing games. It's because I can't sleep. Um, and therefore, the physical toll that it, it has on me is is too much. So I made a decision. Um, I mean, COVID, COVID was the catalyst. Because of COVID, I didn't go. Loki's joining us, as usual. Um, because of COVID, I didn't go to any conventions during that period of time. And that was kind of the wake-up call for me to say, actually... Yeah, and, and it's it's something that I regret. I'd love to be younger and I'd love to have not have these health issues so, so I could go to them because, as I say, I, I did love going to them. Um, next question, also from Wade. On a scale of 1 to 10, can I rank each of the T games? Uh, now, that's going to take me quite a bit of thinking, but I have kind of put them in order of preference for me. So Teotihuacan is probably my favourite. I would probably... I'd give that maybe an eight and a half or nine out of ten. It is quite complex. It is a little bit fiddly, but I really do enjoy the core mechanisms of Teotihuacan. Uh, Tekenu is probably my next favourite one, although Tekenu, not quite as bad as on Mars, but Tekenu in terms of complexity is is a little bit up there. There's a lot going on in Tekenu. Uh, Tabanusi I really liked. 
uh, I was undecided as to whether to put um, Tabanusi and Tekenu, the order of those. Um, but Tekenu is probably a, an 8 out of 10 for me. Tabanusi is probably an 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, I haven't played Tarant in Suyu yet. Um, yeah, that's still on the list to be played. The only one really that I would choose not to go back to, if we're not counting Zolkin, um, because although Tolkien is a tea game with Daniel Tashini, it's kind of it's not board and dice. So Tolkien, I rate a, um, I rate the base game of Tolkien now at a seven, because I think there's a couple of quirks or flaws with the base game which were fixed in the expansion. Um, but yeah, the only one of the tea games from board and dice that I really didn't get on with was Trismegistus. Now Trismegistus might be a good game, but it's hidden behind terrible graphic design and one of the worst rule books that I've ever written. Uh, I've ever read. <laughs> I didn't write it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Trismegistus, for me, uh, it, it was just painful to play with 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 the, with the bad iconography and everything. And why play that when I've got the other ones that I prefer? Um, Wade also says, what is my least favourite thing about video editing? I'll tell you what, I've had a heck of a week with video editing. I've had all sorts of problems um, with the, the software that I'm using, with corrupt files, with crashes, I've I've had a lot of problems. I actually love video editing, putting all of the clips together and putting the transitions in, but right now, the Crescent Moon video that I've been working on, something has gone wrong with the file, uh, and every single time I press a key, there's a three or four second delay. So it's basically taken me about 16 to 20 hours to do what should be a 10 hour job, and that's been really frustrating. Um, I've then loaded another project this morning and it's working fine. So there's, there's obviously something gone wrong with the project. Uh, not counting Vital Lacerda, what are my top three games designers? Now, this is another difficult one because there's some games designers who I think are great. And I've only maybe played three of their games, but I've enjoyed every single game I've played from them. Therefore, they should be one of my favourite designers. But the three that I'm going to pick for today are Vlade Shavatl, um, that's not to say that I've enjoyed all of Larger's games. There's definitely a couple of Larger's games that I, I didn't enjoy, but he did bring us Mage Knight and Through the Ages, which are two of my favourite games. Um, Alexander Pfister, I'm a big fan of his games. Uh, I've enjoyed pretty much all of his games. Um, yeah. And Stefan Feld. Stefan Feld, uh, I just love Stefan Feld's games, and I've got more Stefan Feld games in my collection uh, than, than anybody else. So yeah, they're probably my top three, uh, if you were to ask me now. But as I say... There's other games designers that I can't think of off the top of my head that have gone, oh yeah, they've done that, and I've, li I've liked that, and I've liked that, and I've liked that, then yeah, they're, they're really good as well. Uh, Wade's final question is, what makes me groan when people suggest it? What game makes me groan when people suggest it? And, and I thought about this, and there isn't actually one specific game. There are, there's a genre of games, like I'm not too keen on silly party games, and I'm not too keen on... Uh, well, I don't like like social deduction games or hidden traitor games or or, or anything like that. Uh, but there isn't one specific game that makes me groan when people suggest it. I'm in the lucky position where I'm, most of the time, I'm the one suggesting a game or saying this is what I'm playing and looking for players. So I have a lot of influence and control over the kind of games that I play, generally speaking. Right, next question is from Klaus. Klaus says, of the top rated 100 games on BGG, what percentage do I personally enjoy playing? Now, that would actually take me ages to go through, but I've had a quick look through. Earlier on today, uh, I did look through the whole top 100 on BGG, and I looked down them, and it's probably about 85%. Now, bear in mind, I've not played all of the ones in the top 100, 
But looking down that list, there was like, oh yeah, I didn't like that one. Oh, and I didn't like that one. And I didn't like that one. But of the of the rest of them, the ones that I've played, I did really, really enjoy. Um, next question from Davis. Uh, he says, I know I enjoy Gloomhaven and he knows that I love Euro games. What are my thoughts on Founders of Gloomhaven? So Founders of Gloomhaven... I do have thoughts on it. I think Founders of Gloomhaven is a good game. I don't think it's a great game. I think it's a good game. But Foundation of Founders of Gloomhaven was a very niche game. It did a very specific thing and it did it in a very clever way. But I personally feel it was um, an, a, a, the wrong decision to call it Founders of Gloomhaven. Now, from a marketing point of view, uh, it, it was a great decision because the game sold a huge amount more because it had the name Gloomhaven on it. But that led to disappointment because a lot of people got the game expecting it was... I mean, Isaac, to be fair, made it very, very clear to everybody that this is nothing like Gloomhaven at all. It's a completely separate game. But a lot of people jumped on it because they saw Gloomhaven and they got it and then they were disappointed by it. And that that was sad to see because, as I say, I think it's a good game uh, and there are people who I've played it with and a lot of people did, didn't like it. But there's a few people I played it with that was like, oh, wow, this is great. This does something very different um, and very clever. Uh, next question from Ben. What's my biggest surprise with a board game, both positive and negative? So this was a tricky one to think about. But the positive thing, if we're talking about the word surprise, has been the number of games that I've played in the last year or two, which I wasn't expecting to like. Specifically, I'm thinking of Stonemaier Games, because Stonemaier Games get a lot of bashing. Tapestry got a lot of bashing. Pendulum got a lot of bashing. Charterstone got a lot of bashing. I enjoyed every single one of them. And that was a surprise to me. I still haven't played Wingspan. Um, I, it was a surprise to me because I went into them expecting to be... Uh, expecting to not enjoy them as much as I did enjoy them. And I've really enjoyed all three of those games. Pendulum I have only played a couple of times, but Charterstone and Tapestry, I'm really, really enjoying them. So yeah, really, really good. In terms of a, ne a negative surprise, the only thing I could think of was rule books. Um, and, it, and I shouldn't be surprised because I know how the hobby and I know how the industry works. But when I get a rule book, if that rule book is not just... I'm not, I'm not talking not perfect. I'm talking if that rule book is just absolutely awful, like the aforementioned Trismegistus, that's a surprise in a negative way. Because board and dice, generally speaking, their rule books are pretty good. Not perfect, but their rule books are pretty good. And Trismegistus, it must have been done by somebody else. It must have been, because it's just absolutely awful. Um, and that and that was a surprise. So yeah, when I get a game and I'm looking through the rule book and it is truly awful, it is still a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, that's po possibly a good question for the guild, actually. So um, one thing that we do with the guild is every time I get a question in the live Q&A, which I think, oh, that would actually be a good question for other people to answer, um, we're going to post it on the Guild. And Chrissy, who's watching live, thank you very much, Chrissy. Chrissy is going to take that question now from Ben and post it as a thread on the Guild. So just as a reminder, I have a Guild. It's on Board Game Geek. Vicky's going to put a link to the Guild in the chat now. If you're not a member of the Guild, please go and sign up. Um, we do have some discussions on there. And while this video is going out, Chrissy's probably typing away on a laptop now, there is going to be a new thread added to the, to the Guild, which is from Ben Filler, what is your biggest surprise with a board game? 
positive and negative. And if you've got your own thoughts on it, head on over to the Guild and fill in your own answers. Because I like reading them myself. I don't just, uh, I don't not read my own Guild. I do read all of the comments that people have put on there. Um, right, question from Mick. And this is actually an interesting one because this is, this is a question from last month or the month before that I actually answered in a different way. <laughs> uh, so Mick says, what's my thought on balance in cooperative games? Yeah, that I thought he was asking last month. Um, and basically, uh, the question that I thought he meant, and I answered something differently, um, or I answered that, I can't remember. Anyway, what I'm going to talk about now is how hard should a cooperative game be? Because, and, and, and there's multi-sides to this argument, and I've been involved in helping develop and publish games which are cooperative, and you have that discussion about difficulty settings. So here's, here's the thing. You make a cooperative game and you set the first, the first game of it to be easy. If you do that, then people will play it and they will feel, oh, we, we've done it. That was too easy. I'm not going to bother playing it again because it was too easy, right? Or you could make it stupidly hard and then you have people playing it going, this game sucks, it's way too hard, I'm not going to play it anymore. Now conversely, you have people at the other end of the scale. If they play a game which for the first time is stupidly hard and they're never going to succeed, it makes them try again. And consequently, if they play a game that's too easy, um, I mean, as long as you make it clear that this is an easy game, this is super, super easy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting topic of discussion because there are some games that have come out um, Kingdom Rush, one of them. The suggested first scenario for Kingdom Rush was too hard, and a lot of people criticised the game and said this game is like stupidly hard. It's not. It's not at all. It's very similar to the first uh, scenario from Gloomhaven. The first scenario from Gloomhaven, Black Barrow, is not a stupidly hard scenario. The scenario is perfectly balanced, and it is a good scenario. The problem comes the first time you play that scenario, you are very likely playing the game for the first time, and therefore you are nowhere near as good as players as you would be if you played it later on. So, for example, if we, if me and Vicky sat down right now to play Black Barrow, we would probably succeed at that scenario. But if we were to sit down and play Black Barrow when we'd literally just learnt how to play, we would likely fail. And in my personal opinion, I think as long as it is made clear that the first or second scenarios are easier to get you into the game, then I think you should make them easy. Because personally, I've seen so many negative comments about these games saying the first game was too hard, I'm never going to play it again. I, I think, if and I would give this advice to any publisher, is make your initial games slightly easier as long as you make it clear to the players that this is an easier mission for your first game. You also should have scalable difficulty levels. I'm, I'm a firm believer in scalable difficulty levels in games because um, if it doesn't have scalable difficulty levels, once you've played it and you've beaten it, that's it. You need something to come back for more. Anyway, that's my thoughts on difficulty ratings of cooperative games. Uh, let's just have a break for a minute and I'll just mention the patron. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, big thank you to all of my patron supporters. Uh, for funding the channel and if you're watching this video and you haven't seen any of my other videos you might think well surely Paul's just talking at the camera for an hour and a half why does he need a Patreon campaign well actually 
preparing for this Q&A has been about two or three hours of work. And I've taken that time off my paid work this afternoon in order to do all the preparation to make these videos possible. And the, Patreons, uh, the Patreon campaign funds that. So yeah, big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. I'm also filming this on a brand new camera, which the Patreon uh, campaign has helped fund. So yeah, huge thank you to everybody for the financial support to allow me to upgrade the studio and, and, and buy lots of new kit. Right, next question uh, from William. Will, this, is a, this is a funny one. Nobody's ever asked this before. So William says, uh, what game table do I use? Now, he's not talking about the, the game topper, because I use a game topper, which goes on top of a table. William is asking, what's under the game topper? And I doubt that anybody actually knows what's under this game topper. Vicky knows, but I don't think anybody else would even guess. So I'll tell you now, what it is, is two trestle tables, which I think were from Ikea. And on top of those is my boss's old office door from when I worked at the University of Exeter. I told you you wouldn't get it. Um, basically, they were refurbing all of the doors in the corridor. Um, and they were taking all of these doors off. And I was there working late one night and I went, that would make a good table. Can I have it? And they went, what? And I said, yeah, can I, can I have the door? Um, and they said, yeah, sure. And I, <laughs> I got it in the car. I, th I don't think it even just, because it's, it's a proper door. I mean, it's a really, it's like two inches thick solid wood. Um, and that's what I've got. So I've got the two trestle tables. I've got a very old office door. And then on top of that is, is the game topper. So yeah, good question, William. <laughs> right, next question from Mick. Do I have do I have a favourite classic board game? Now Mick starts off by listing Monopoly, Cluedo, Scrabble, but then goes on to say Acquire. And personally, I wouldn't have put Acquire in the same category as Monopoly, Cluedo, and Scrabble. So out of those, I mean I'm fortunate now that I don't have I don't ever play any of those old classic games. Um, you know, Monopoly, Cluedo or Scrabble. Acquire I would play again, but as I say, for me, I would put Acquire not in that same category. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't play any of those again. The Monopolies, Scrabble, Cluedo, Ludo, Game of Life, all of those sorts of things. I would know, I can never, I, I can see me never playing any of those games ever again. So it's tricky for me to pick a favourite. I mean, I've played all of them. Scrabble was probably my least favourite because I wasn't very good with words. Um, and Monopoly's just awful. So probably, if, if I was forced to make a decision, probably Cluedo. Um, mainly for the theme. Possibly for the theme. Um, but, yeah. Right, next question is from Mick. I said in my uh, monthly video log, I do a monthly video. For those people who don't know, I do a monthly video log where I talk about all of the games that I've played in the month and I give my thoughts and opinions on them. If you're interested in that, go and check them out. They're every month uh, and they're available in podcast form as well. But in the last one, I talked about Unfathomable. Now, Unfathomable, I've managed to say it twice correctly, um, is a game where there is, it's basically a remake of Battlestar Galactica. So it's a hidden role game where there are some traitors and I don't like those kind of games. But in the video log, I talked about the fact that I really enjoyed it. It did run a very, very long time, um, a lot longer than, than we expected. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, Mickey's asking, have I had any thoughts on why? And I, I've actually thought about this quite a lot because I've played Unfathomable twice now and I've enjoyed both games. And to be honest, I think it's down to the people that I played with. 
if I'm playing that game with people who are going to play the game in the same way that I'd play the game. In other words, don't be overly aggressive or hostile with shouting at other players and calling them traitors. That's the part of these hidden traitor games which makes me really uncomfortable, is when I see that going on, whether it's directed both at me or whether it's directed at other people, it makes me uncomfortable. Also, I'm terrible at lying. I'm terrible at bluffing. And, it, and that makes me really uncomfortable. But if I'm doing it in a safe environment where I'm friends with the people who are around the table, then I feel a little bit more at ease. And exactly, the, exactly in, in our game of Unfathomable, it got to the point near the end of the game where a couple of the players were suspecting that I was a traitor. Now, I wasn't the traitor, but that made me a little bit uncomfortable, but only a little bit, because as I say, the people at the table were friends and, and, and then it was fine. So, yeah. I was, I was okay with that. Right, next question from Roger. What are my thoughts on asymmetric games? Do I have a favourite? Uh, and are there any asymmetric games suitable for two? And I'll tell you now, I already thought when I read this question that this would be a good question for the guild. So that question is already on the guild. If you are on the guild and you're browsing the guild, you will see a question that I posted earlier on today with what are my thoughts on asymmetric games and are there favor uh, do I have any favourites? And are there any that are suitable for two? Now, what's really interesting with that thread on BGG is that I specifically said, I want you to give me your favourite games that are properly asymmetric. Now, when I say properly asymmetric, I mean that the two sides, we're talking a two-player game here, the two sides are doing vastly different things. Like, they're even using a different rule set. So let me give you an example. Magic the Gathering is not an asymmetric game, right? Terraforming Mars is not an asymmetric game. Agricola is not an asymmetric game. Now, in all of those games, you are clearly doing something different to the other side, because in Terraforming Mars, I will start off with a special corporation which has a special ability. In Agricola, I will start with seven occupation cards and seven improve, minor improvements, which are different from yours. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about an, an actual asymmetric game, I'm talking not just the fact that I've got a couple of powers which mean I play things slightly differently, but an actually fundamentally different game. So ones that come to mind, Watergate. Watergate, for me, is what I call a properly asymmetric game. The two, the rules are different for both sides. The two sides are actually playing sort sort. They're playing the same game, but you know they're they're playing diff to different rules. Netrunner is an is an asymmetric game, and what's interesting is that thread that I posted this afternoon on the on the guild has already had loads and loads of answers, which is great to see. But a lot of the suggestions are not ones that I would have classed as an asymmetric game. So if you are interested in joining in the discussion, um, feel free. The thread the thread's on the guild now. It's posted by me, but it's based on the the question from Roger, um, and that's actually started another discussion about what well, what is what is an asymmetric game because i think somebody one of one of the things that people put in there was um tashkalar a game from cge now i don't class tashkalar as an asymmetric game even though the two sides are playing different factions which have different rules they're still playing the same game they're both still trying to do the same thing they just go about it in a different way anyway that was that Right, on to the biggest question of the week. The question that you've all been wanting to know the answer to, and Rob has asked, and it is, what is on my ideal club sandwich? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do I like? I like pulled pork. 
I like chicken teriyaki. I like cheese, even though I shouldn't eat it. I like a bit of lettuce and olives and... I don't know. I mean, what is the definition of a club sandwich? Is it, ju is it just a sandwich with stuff on it? Vicky's going to look up a club sandwich now because I don't know. I actually know the definition. Um, but yeah, I like lots of things. Um, what I'm not a big fan of is bacon. I don't know if you get bacon on a club sandwich because I don't like fat. So whenever I have bacon, I only ever have back bacon and I always cut off. I'm one of those people you see in a, in a restaurant that gets like a full English breakfast and then sits there and cuts all the fat off his bacon. I just can't can't stand the thought of eating it. It's raining really heavily, isn't it? Is it raining where you are right now? If you if you live in the southwest of England, it probably is. Anyway, you've looked up club sandwich. Okay, we're still looking up club sandwich. <laughs> right, um, right. The next question I can't answer. So this is a question that I'm going to put to you who are watching this in the chat. This is from Andrew. With the end of the UK tax year approaching, what board game should he play to celebrate the new tax year? I mean, it depends what you want as an answer to the question. Do you want a tax-related board game? At which point, I'm not sure there are any. Although, a lot of 18xx games could be clusters spreadsheets. Um, uh, or do you just want to know what game you should play to celebrate? Well, in that case, um, Mage Knight, the, the, the standard answer for everything. So, yeah. A club sandwich, also called a clubhouse sandwich, is a sandwich of bread traditionally toasted, sliced sliced cooked poultry, ham or fried bacon, lettuce, tomato and mayonnaise. So that would be chicken for me then. Because, yeah, ham and fried bacon and things like that have sometimes have really good quality ham. is really nice. But ham that's been sort of reconstituted, mixed with water and got lots of fat in it, I don't like that. So, yeah, probably chicken. Um... Yeah, so anyway, if you've got any suggestions for Andrew on uh, which board game should he celebrate because we're getting close to the end of the UK tax year. Do you have a favourite? No, Vicky's an accountant, so... <laughs> but you wouldn't want... I See, I don't think there's any board games based on tax and accounting. We should ask Luke, see if he knows of one. I don't think there would be. Right, next question, Kenneth. Kenneth is asking about uh, top games from 2021, and he says that Imperial Steam, Ark Nova, and Bitoku are looking likely... Oh, they're, they're my top games of 2021. Yes. At the moment, Imperial Steam was fantastic, Ark Nova is fantastic, Bitoku is fantastic. Now, I've not played Imperial Steam enough. I have only played it twice, and I loved both games of it. I think it's a fantastic game, but I need to play it more. Ark Nova I've played about 15 times. I have played enough of Ark Nova to know how good it is, and it is very good. And Bitoku I've only played a couple of times, so I need to play Bitoku more, and I need to play Imperial Steam more. But tonight I'm going to be learning how to play Boon Lake, and a number of friends of mine have told me that Boon Lake is their favourite Alexander Pfister game. So we'll find out. We'll find out soon. I'm going to be covering Boon Lake on the channel myself on Friday. There will be a Patreon-only playthrough tonight where I'm going to be taught how to play. Um... But yeah, I'm going to be covering it on the channel on Friday. So there's still games from last year I haven't covered yet. I am I am slowly getting there. Um, but at the moment, no, I can't. I can't say. I really can't say. Ark Nova. Probably at the end of last year, Ark Nova would have been my number one. But that's because I loved it and I played it a lot. Imperial Steam and Bitoku, as I've said, I I need to play them more to evaluate them. I wasn't expecting to like Bitoku as much as I thought based on a number of things people had said. But having now played it, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, fantastic. 
Right, next question is from Nick. Uh, Nick is saying, and, I, and I'm sure I've thought of this before. I, I'm sure I've had this thought before, or I've been asked this before. But Nick is asking, if you could combine two different games into one game, what two games would you choose? And I thought about this this afternoon. And one thing that occurred to me is if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, I would actually spend a lot of time thinking about this. Because like a lot of people, I've been wanting to design a game. I've been thinking about what game I would design. And I've always been having these grand ideas of, of what I would do to make a, a, you know, my perfect game. But certainly over the last five years, maybe even more, I've gone away from thinking about that because I'm focused now on just playing the ones that come out. Yeah, the rain is getting really heavy. I don't know if you can hear it on camera, on, on camera, on the microphone. You probably won't, but it's very heavy. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's there's too many games coming out that I have time to cover, uh, and I don't, and even the even the games that I do cover, I don't play them enough to fully appreciate and enjoy them. So I've not really thought much about combining two games into one. It is something that I'm keen if anybody's got any of their own thoughts on it. But going back 10 or so years, 10, 15 years, when I was thinking about games, I love the grand civilization style games, but I also like the resource gathering and the resource spending and resource conversion. And if you could combine those two things together, um, then that would be great. Now, one of the games which I've been working on myself um, not really properly, but had in the back of my mind, was an, a game based on the Anno series of computer games. And this would, and, and there now is an Anno 1800 board game by Martin Wallace. But my idea for this game is it would take up a six by four foot table. It would be a huge hex map. Uh, and you would be basically placing buildings on this map and you would be moving, you'd, you'd build a carpenter's, you know, sorry, you'd build a woodcutter's near the trees. That would generate wood. You'd then transport the wood into a, another building. Um, and yeah, you do all sorts of grand things. But the objective was that you would be sort of collaboratively building up this, this big town. Um, I'm not sure that's combining two things together, but I, I had all of these grand ideas. Um, yeah. Uh, Nick also wants to know what TV shows are we watching right now? So we've just finished season one of The Witcher, which I'd seen before, uh, but Vicky hadn't seen it. And we're probably going to be watching season two uh, next. Yeah, we're not actually watching much TV at the moment. But yeah, The Witcher is what we're currently currently watching. Right. Uh, two or three questions to go. No, there's quite a few questions to go. I'll just have a slight break. Get a drink. So as I say, these are all questions that I've been asked in advance on the Guild. Um, so Paul Mills says, from a Eurogame perspective, who would I say are the best new and upcoming designers to look out for in 2022 and beyond? And I cannot answer that question at all. I, I literally have no idea at all about what new and upcoming designers there are. Um, I mean, you might think I, I should know these sorts of things. And when I read the question, I was like, yeah, I, I probably should know that, but I don't. Um, I mean, I know of some games that are coming out this year, but I don't know of any new and upcoming designers. Um, I know about existing designers and what games they've got coming out. But yeah, I'm afraid I can't answer that. Um, if anybody else knows or has any thoughts on it, please put them in the chat. Paul is asking for new and upcoming designers to look out for this year. So is there, is there a game that you know about that's coming out this year from a new designer? If there is, let me know. Um, Andy Gordon. This is this is a good question, Andy. 
Um, and this is this is a question which I have already posted on the guild because I thought I thought it was a good question. So Andy says he knows that I'm a CCG player at heart. Well, yes, sort of. Um, but and I played a lot of Magic: The Gathering and Netrunner back in the nineties. Uh, he's asking which other ones did I play. So I yeah I played a lot of Magic: The Gathering. I played a lot of Netrunner. I dabbled with a lot of other ones at the time because it was the late nineties. CCGs were all the rage. So whenever a new CCG came out, I'd buy a few decks of it and I'd try to play it. And a lot of them were awful. A lot of them were really, really awful. Um, but I dabbled a bit with Battletech, which I quite liked. It just didn't take off. I played a lot of the old Star Wars game. The one from... Was it Decipher? I think it might have even been Decipher. But the Star Wars customizable, collectible card game, whatever. Played a lot of that. Um, played a lot. Played, played the Star Trek one when that came out. That's an awful game. The, the, Star, the Star Trek one was, was absolutely awful. Um, I played an awful lot of the Decipher Lord of the Rings game. Um, but there's a few other ones that I played as well. And I have some regrets, like uh, I do with my other sort of gaming things, is that there were some great CCGs that I never really got into. So I didn't really get into Babylon 5, but I heard that was good. I never really got into Vampire the Eternal Struggle, and I heard I heard that was good. Um, there was a few Cthulhu ones as well, and I'm not talking the new ones, I'm talking the really old ones. I think Mythos was a game, and I've still got some of these up in the attic. But yeah, I, I dabbled a lot. Anyway... Andy's follow-up question is, which of the old CCGs do I think Fantasy Flight Games should do a reboot of? Because they, they picked up Netrunner, they got the rights to do Netrunner, and they rebooted it, and they gave it a whole new lease of life, and it was fantastic. And that's the question that I've asked on the Guild. So again, if you're interested, head on over to the Guild. The question is on there. I asked it earlier on today. Which old collectible card games do you think Fantasy Flight Games should pick up and do a reboot of, or just anybody do a reboot of. Um, yeah. Oh, I played a lot of the uh, the Middle Earth collectible card game as well, and I've still got all of those cards, and I've actually covered it on the channel um, in the last month, uh, in the last year or so. Right, next few questions from Georgios. First of all, could I suggest introductory board games for families? Yes, definitely. Um, and there's lots. There's, there's, there's too many to think about now. There's Azul. Uh, there's code names. there's Just One, there's Baron Park, there's Mysterium. If I thought about it, I could probably give you about 20 or 30 uh, games that I think are suitable for taking round to a family's house who've never played any board games before. Um, Ticket to Ride possibly even as well. I think Ticket to Ride is still a good staple uh, gateway game. But yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of great games out there. Um, which board games got me really into the hobby? So this is a, this is a good question because when I got seriously into board game, because I've been board gaming since the 80s, but what got me seriously into board gaming was the transition between, it was around 97, 98 when I gave up on Magic the Gathering. Was it 97, 98 or 98, 99? Anyway, it was around 1998. I gave up Magic the Gathering and I got seriously into board games. And at that time, the Alia series of board games had just started. And the first four of those, when they came out, they were the ones that probably seriously got me into board gaming. So we're talking Ra, Princes of Florence, Chinatown. Uh, what was number two? Can't remember what number two was. Um, but yeah, it, it was those games around that time. And then I went to Essen for the first time in, I think, 99. And the rest is history. So yeah, it, it was those games that were around at that time that, that really got me into it. Question three from George Oss. What tips do I have for teaching games to newcomers in the hobby? 
He says he sometimes finds it difficult to go through the rules to n for new players with no experience of the game. So, yeah, I mean, I've most of my time now is spent teaching games to, a, to uh, people who are already gamers. But I have had a lot of experience at teaching games to people who have no experience whatsoever. And my tips are that you need to find a game that you can start playing within one minute or two minutes. Because people who are not gamers don't want to listen to anything more than two minutes. If it's more than two minutes of explanation, you've lost them. So it needs to be a game that you can basically start playing quickly, even if you don't teach them all of the rules at the start, and, and get going. So a game like Just One is perfect um, because you, know, you can teach the rules in a minute, maybe, and then you can start playing. And as I say, the tricky part with these games is knowing which rules you can leave out of the explanation. And a classic example is the plus one rule in codenames. When you're teaching codenames to people for the first time, don't mention the plus one rule because it confuses people and it adds to the length of the game explanation. Only explain the plus one rule at the point when it's actually needed. And that comes down to a skill and experience of you as a teacher of knowing which, which rules you can leave out and insert later on. But basically, yeah, Keep the teach as short as possible and get people playing as early as possible. That's that's the key. Um, we'll finish George Yoss's questions and then we'll mention the competition. Yes. So, question four from George Yoss. If the bare definition for board games are games that are played on a board, what are the rudimentary characteristics of the hobby to me? And this is an interesting question because what I think he's asking what actually constitutes a board game. So is Magic the Gathering a board game? I don't know. I mean, it's a card game, but is it also a board game? If it isn't, is Terraforming Mars a card game or is it a board game? Is Ashes a board game? You know, so for me, they're all board games, right? I, I just I just blanket them all with they're all board games. But what's interesting is that you do get these awards that come out every year. There's lots of different awards that come out and you see this best card game. And you're like, well, what, what's the definition of a card game? What percentage of the game needs to be cards for it to be a card game? And some people think Terraforming Mars is a card game. For me, it's a board game that has a lot of cards in it. Whereas to me, Magic the Gathering is a card game. So, as I say, for me, they're all board games. But within the, within the genre of board games, there are subcategories. And if a game is 99% cards, maybe with a few tokens, then for me, it's a card game. Um, yeah, if you've got your own thoughts on it, then, then let me know uh, in the comments. Final question from George Oss, and this is about look in gaming. Is it an essential piece? Is it an essential piece for a good gaming session, or would you prefer that look has nothing to do with the session? Everybody's different on this, and my tastes have changed over the over the decades. There was a time, fifteen or so years ago, that I would want to play a game with zero look, absolutely zero look. And any amount of randomness really used to annoy me. Um, now I'm less bothered about that, but there are limitations to how much look I want in a game. First of all, I don't mind a little bit of randomness in a cooperative game. But if it's a competitive game and you're directly rolling dice to see who succeeds, or you're drawing cards from a random deck and things like that, then for me, that still makes me uncomfortable. And a classic example is there was a game that I played a long time ago and I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was to do with pirates. Uh, and it was a competitive game, 
and the deck of cards that you drew from to see how much your treasures were worth was basically a deck with numbers one to four. So basically I would do an action in the game, I would spend my resources and I would move to a particular place and I'd draw a card and it'd be worth four points. Yay me, right? And then you would do exactly the same action, spend exactly the same resources, move to exactly the same place, draw a card and it'd be worth one point. That for me is bad game design. Um, if I've put in the same amount of effort as you have, the rewards for you should be the same. And if it's a cooperative game, I kind of don't mind, but that amount of luck in a competitive game, that actually annoys me. Um, and to the point where I would just say, well, all treasures are worth three points because I, 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 yeah, I think that's fairer. Also, I want to touch on um, the, the, the term input randomness and output randomness. Uh, input randomness is where you will you will do something randomly like rolling dice or dealing cards out or something like that and then players will make decisions based on the random factor already happening. Output randomness is where you make a decision and then you roll dice or draw cards to see whether it will work. I generally speaking don't like games with output randomness but input randomness is he, is he biting? Okay input randomness I, I don't mind. And there's lots of games with input randomness, like a lot of Steffenfeld dice games are roll a whole bunch of dice, line them up, right, now what are we going to do with those dice? And everybody has the same choice. So is he, is he eating something? Loki's come in and, and I, think he's, I think he's eaten something that he shouldn't have eaten. <laughs> um, anyway, right. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's my topic of luck. The, the other thing about luck is if you remove the element of luck completely you end up with the better playing winning every time so to some extent i totally understand the fact that the look element of a game can actually help balance the game out a little bit between different skill levels and again it, it all depends on the game and it all depends on how fair you think that is between the players because Personally, if I'm playing a game against somebody and they're the better player, I don't mind if they win whatsoever. If, if, if I'm playing a game against a better player and they constantly roll ones and I constantly roll sixes, then I'm not going to enjoy that game. Even though I've won the game, I'm not going to enjoy it because that was unfair. That, and yeah, so yeah. Right, I'm just going to have a drink. Vicky's run off with Loki, so I don't know what's wrong with Loki. I hope he's okay. <laughs> he came in, he was super, super happy, but he was um, he was licking his lips a lot. Uh, and cats do that when they're about to be sick. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's just have a pause for a second and talk about the contest. So every month, as part of these live Q&As, I give away £25 worth of games vouchers from Games Law. Except, not anymore. Um, to celebrate the fact that I reached 800 Patreon supporters, I've decided to increase that to £50. So every month during this live Q&A, basically giving away £50 of games vouchers for Games Law. Now, £25 of the vouchers comes from Games Law themselves. So thank you very much to Games Law for helping support the show. And the other £25 comes from me. So if you're watching this video, uh, is he okay? Right. If you're watching this video live, or if you're watching this video any time between now and the next live Q&A, which will be the end of April, you can enter the contest. Vicky's going to put a link in the chat right now, and the link is also in the description of the video. And all you need to do is go to that contest um, and basically fill in your name, fill in your email address, and the secret word. And the secret word today is 
Burn cycle. Burn cycle is the secret word today because this arrived yesterday and I'm really excited about it. So that is the secret word. And all you need to do is fill in the form. As I say, name, email address. Uh, if you're a patron supporter, you get extra entries. So if you are a patron supporter of mine, you get two entries into the hat. Um, and if you're not a patron supporter, you get one entry into the hat. And then what I'm going to do is just before next month's live q and I will do the draw. And this afternoon, I did the draw for, for, for the last Q&A. Uh, and congratulations to Isabel for winning. I have contacted Isabel. Thank you very much for your support. Isabel is a patron supporter of mine. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much to your support. And £50 worth of games vouchers from Games Law will be on the way to you virtually over, over email. Um, and there you go. Yeah, so good luck to everybody who enters the, uh, enters the contest. Right, final few questions, I think, before we go to the live questions. This is a lot more than normal, I think. Right, or I'm taking longer to talk about them. So, Mark. Oh, Mark's got a good question. <laughs> Easiest question in the world for me to answer. Mark is saying, is setting time limits, like running a clock, to games, uh, will it help them or hinder them? Because he says that he finds that the box says two hours, but due to people basically taking too long over their turns, it can take longer. And he's thinking of trying putting a timer in the game to make people play, play quicker. So for me, I would hate that. I would hate it so much, I would actually refuse to play. Um, if you're going to set a, a, a timer and say, look, I want this game to be done in two hours, so we're going to have a timer and you've all got to play quickly, otherwise, I don't know, I don't want to be put under that much pressure. Um, yeah, I don't like timers. Timers in games actually make my brain slow down because I, I go into panic mode. So I believe games should be played and enjoyed. Um, and if, if one player at the table is a little bit slower, then that's just that's just how it is. I mean, I totally get it. If you're at a games club and you've only got two hours left and you need to get a game done in two hours, that you need to find a game that you can play within two hours. Um, what you don't want to do is you don't want to get out a game that says two hours on the box and then play it with people who haven't played it before or somebody who's known to be a slow player because you, you're never going to get it finished. Um, right, Brian. Uh, obviously, we have a biscuit-related question from Brian. And unfortunately, I did run out of time this afternoon. Um, so I haven't been able to think about these questions in advance. But Brian wants to know, what game springs to mind when I ponder each of the following biscuit options? And we're going to do this as a live thing. Okay, so right now, if you're watching this live, I want to hear what your... Um, what game springs to mind when I talk about each of the following biscuit descriptions? Are we ready? Right, biscuit number one. Rich tea. A dry, somewhat uninspired, but very welcome when there are no other choices. So what game, uh, if you put rich tea and then the name of the game so that we can see what you mean. So what game comes to mind when you think about a rich tea biscuit? Dry, somewhat uninspired, but very welcome when there are no other choices. Because I'm, I'm going to be rubbish at this. So yeah, if you've got any thoughts on that, put them in the chat now. But start with the game. Start with the word "rich tea," so that we know what your what your answer is is referring to. Right. Next question. Viennese whirl. Very light. Doesn't last long. But you always have more than one. I'm trying to think. Can I think of one for rich tea? Dry. Somewhat uninspired. But very welcome when there are no other choices. Brett saying Concordia. Dan saying Ground Floor. Yeah, Ground Floor is quite a bit dry. 
You see, I wouldn't have said Concord Concordia is dry. Concordia is very dry, but I wouldn't have said Concordia was somewhat uninspired because I think the, the way that the cards work as actions and points is genius. Um, Vini's World King Domino or King Domino, yeah. So very light, doesn't last long, but you can always have more than one. King Domino, yeah, good one. Or Sagrada. Sagrada. Yeah, Diane says uh, Kalimala for rich tea. I've not actually played Kalimala. I've heard it's really good. Heard it's really good. Um, next one <clears throat> is a plain hobnob. Nicely balanced, unpretentious, some good crunch, and always appeals. Nicely balanced, unpretentious, some good crunch, and always appeals. For me, almost anything by Stefan Feld. Um, yeah, nicely balanced, unpretentious, some good crunch, and always appeals. Trajan, there you go. I've, I've, I've done one myself. But yeah, what do you think about plain hobnob? The next one is chocolate hobnob. <laughs> As per the plain hobnob, but with more to get your teeth into and more rewarding. Oh, well, I've already peeked at Trajan, haven't I? This might have to be a question for the guild, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, so which game comes to mind for Chocolate Hobnob, which is as, as the same as a plain Hobnob, but with more to get your teeth into and more rewarding. Let's say... More to get your teeth into and more... Let's say Maracaibo, because I'm going to be playing that again on Friday and I absolutely love Maracaibo. So we'll say Maracaibo for Chocolate Hobnob. Um, final one, Tunnock's Caramel Logs. Fantastically well-constructed, very satisfying, nicely chewy, long-lasting, and possibly a wee bit messy. Well, Mage Knight, obviously. <laughs> Fantastically well-constructed, very satisfying, nicely chewy, long-lasting, and a wee bit messy. Absolutely Mage Knight. No, no question about that. Thor's come in now. Hello, Thor. Are you going to come over? Are you gonna... He's going to sit there. Okay, he's sitting on the burn cycle mat. Yeah, you're right. Oh, he's got lots of dice to play with. You just need to be careful he doesn't eat the dice. Um, right, next question. This is another good question from Gareth. Um, have I ever played a remake of a game and found it less interesting compared to the original or even a worse game? Um, and I think, Chrissy, can you make this into a question on the guild as well? So this is a, another question that is going to be posted to the guild is... Have you ever played a, a like a second edition version of a game and found it less interesting compared to the original? I'm not sure. I mean, I know a lot of people have said that the Arkham Horror third edition is a lot worse than second edition was. I think Arkham Horror, and I've not played either, um, but I think the Arkham Horror third edition went a very different direction with the game than second edition. And I know a lot of people didn't like that. Um, the only one that springs to mind is Jorvik. Now, Jorvik is a Steffenfeld game, and it's a remake version and a retheme of Der Spielstadt, which is a game which I remember playing a long, long time ago and really enjoying. And then the bit, the bit why this has sprung to mind is, and it might be completely wrong, but Jorvik uh, was a remake of Der Spielstadt, but with the expansion in it. And I remember playing Jorvik and the part of the game that was apparently the expansion that apparently made the game better, I didn't like. I felt it added an extra level of randomness to the game. So I think that I would actually prefer to play Der Spielstadt without the expansion than, than, than Jorvik. 
Um, Diane says, haven't played the re reconstruct version of the central action mechanism of Carpe Diem, um, but aesthetically hates the change, but mathematically it's the same. I've not played Carpe I've got the new version of Carpe Diem, but I've not actually played it yet. Um, but yeah, that, that's a question we're going to put on the, on the guild, uh, is if you've played a remake version or a new edition of a game and found it less interesting compared to the original. I'm sure there is one for me, but I can't quite think which one. Right, last few questions before we go to the live questions. Uh, this is from Kelly. Kelly's always looking to spread the joy of board games. Can I recommend a few games for a charity auction basket that are both fun for newcomers and experienced players alike? I would use the similar games to what I mentioned earlier on. So things like, um, yeah, Just One. I'm always talking about Just One because it's a, it's a fantastic game. But basically, things like Just One, maybe Point Salad. Uh, that's quite a quick game. What you want is games that are... Again, if it's fun for newcomers, it needs to be a 15 to 20 minute game with a very, very low rules overhead initially. After that, you then might want to get into the Baron Parks and the Ticket to Rides and things like that. But you want to go, you want to go simple quick. And also there are games outside of my wheelhouse like Spyfall uh, and, and things like that. Any game like that that's fun, takes a large number of people. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably good ones to start with. Um, Augustine has a question which I can't answer, but I'm hoping somebody in the chat can. And this is, where is a good place to buy generic meeples and other generic board game components? So yeah, anybody know? There used to be a website uh, called Board Game Extras, and I don't even know if they still exist. Let me just have a look. Board Game Extras. Board Game Extras. They're in the UK, I think. BoardGameExtras.com. Yeah, they're still there. So Board Game Extras, it sells games, but I think they do... And I'm not saying they're the best place. They're the only one that I, I know of. Um, I'm just having a quick look down their website now to see if they, if they do stuff. They do realistic resources. I thought they did wooden tokens. Yes, they do. So BoardGameExtras.com. They do wooden tokens and you can buy cubes, you can buy meeples, you can buy wooden cylinders, you can buy all sorts of things. But if you've got any other suggestions, let me know. Because uh, Augustine wants to know where you can buy them from. That's certainly where you can buy them from in the UK. Um, but yeah, right. Where's my me, where's me list of questions gone? Uh, there. There's my list of questions. Right, next question. Uh, from Alex... It's fairly new to the hobby, and he says, "Yeah, I bet I get this question asked loads." But he wants to know what my top three heavy-ish games are. So, yeah, I mean, I've got Mage Knight and Through the Ages. Mage Knight and Through the Ages are definitely very, very high up there in my top three. Gloomhaven is probably up there as well. But I constantly joke that I've got about fifty top ten games. So for me, Great Western Trail, Maracaibo, Too Many Bones, Cloud Spire, Perseverance, Anachrony. Um, I, I, I could list 50 of them and they're all medium to heavyweight board games that are, as far as I'm concerned, in my top 10. But as I say, I have about 50 games in my top 10. Um, games that I just absolutely love playing and I won't ever say no to. In fact, there's a lot. There's probably more than 50. Um, so yeah, that might not help you, but that, that's a few of them. Um, if it, if it was my top three, it probably would be Mage Knight Through the Ages. And then the third one I'm not sure about. The third one might be Gloomhaven. Uh, just because of the impact that Gloomhaven has had and the amount of times I've played it and my involvement in it, but it might end up being something something different. I'm not sure. 
Uh, right. Phil, is there... Right. This question from Phil, I don't know if, uh, if Phil has, uh, has, has known that I've been asked this before, but it's the question that I get asked every couple of months, which is, is there an IP, book, film, TV series, whatever, that I think will be good if adapted into a board game? So sorry, Phil, if you uh, weren't aware that I've, I've been asked this. It literally every other month I get asked the same question. Um, I always say the Dresden Files, so I'm going to stick with Dresden Files. I, now, there is already a Dresden Files card game, um, which for me, I like the Dresden Files card game, but I was a bit disappointed by it because I wanted something else. I wanted something meaty and detailed and complex. And the Dresden Files card game isn't that. The Dresden Files card game is a very simple card game uh, with a Dresden Files theme on it. But I wanted a really, really detailed Dresden Files game more akin to like Arkham Horror, that type of stuff. But yes, I do get asked that question a lot about... Um, which IP would I like to see being made into a board game? And the thing is, we've got so many IPs being made into board games right now. Um, if you think about all of the popular films and all of the popular books, you think, oh yeah, there's a game for that, and there's a game for that, you know, and even more so now than there was five or so years ago. There's a lot more IP-related games. Final question, Phil wants to know if there's any plans for any more Gloomhaven Digital, because he's enjoyed the last couple of dungeons. Gloomhaven Digital, absolutely love playing it. It's just a case of time. Uh, and finding the time to get it covered on the channel uh, more. You know, if it was up to me, I'd be playing it every day. But yeah, there isn't there isn't time to do that. Right, so that's the end of all the live questions. We'll just have a short break while I give Thor a stroke. There you go. Hmm? Oh, no, that's the end of the non-live questions. We're now going to go to the live questions. And just a couple of things before we move to the live questions. Uh, we've got about half an hour. How many live questions do we have? Do we have enough for half an hour? I'll try and go quick. I say that every time. Um, yeah, big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters. If you're just tuning in, this Q&A uh, is only made possible thanks to the support of the Patreon campaign. And in fact, all this week, every single video that I'm doing this week is purely funded through Patreon. Um, I'm doing a couple of unboxings. I'm doing a private... Uh, Thor's playing with the dice. I'm doing a private stream of Boon Lake tonight. I'm going to be doing a burn cycle video tomorrow, which I haven't fully announced yet. And then Friday, basically taking the day off work, and I'm going to be doing playthroughs of Boon Lake and Maracaibo. All of that content is purely funded through Patreon. So thank you very much to all of my Patreon supporters for funding the channel and giving me the uh, the, the financial capabilities to, to take the time off the work in order to produce this content. And if you do enjoy the content that I create... Um, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Patreon supporters do get access to a lot of behind the scenes videos, uh, some benefits, access to the Slack community, uh, extra entries into the contest and all, all sorts of extra things. So yeah, thank you very much to you for supporting me and sticking with me in these difficult times. Right, off we go then. First question came in from Graham. How do you play Boone Lake? Um, ask me again in about six hours time and I'll be able to tell you. Graham is the one who's going to be teaching me how to play Boone Lake tonight. So if you don't know, you need to get reading that rule book. Um, next question uh, from Jill. How long does a game of Altiplano last and why is it not six hours? I've never played Altiplano. Is that how you pronounce it? Altiplano? Yeah, that's the one which is very similar to Orléans, uh, which I have played, but I've never played Altiplano um, but I don't think it lasts six hours. I, I suspect there's a story there that I don't that I don't know about. Um, next question from Jill. This is important. Ice cream and cake or pudding and custard? Oh, I mean, I love ice cream. 
I love ice cream and I love cake, but I also love it when we've got like an apple pie with a bit of custard. Um, I'm going to have to say both. There we go. Uh, Mike, have, have I ever played Cooper Island and did I enjoy it? Hi, Mike. Thank you for your question. I have played Cooper Island. I've actually done a playthrough video of it. I've done a solo playthrough video of it and I've done a review of it. Now, I don't really do reviews on the channel anymore, but if you go back through my channel and, and have a look, I have done a review of Cooper Island. To cut a long story short, I think it's a brilliant game. Yeah, Cooper Island, really, really good game. I, I, I very, very much enjoyed it. So yes, there you go. That's my opinion on, uh, on Cooper Island. Uh, Kabuki Kid, what is the most useful promo for a board game? Oh, most useful promo for a board game. See, I'm, I'm trying to think of... I mean, the definition of the word useful, I understand what the word useful means. So we're talking a promo that actually is usable rather than just be something that is, is a bit of uh, extra bling that you don't really need. So, yeah. I mean, I did like the Maracaibo promos, but that's because I love Maracaibo. So the, the, the Armada mini expansion that was a promo for Maracaibo, uh, I found that useful because it, it was a few more interesting cards. But yeah, that's a... That's an interesting one. I don't know. Let us know in the chat. If you're watching this live, or if you're not watching this live, let me know afterwards. Put it in the comments of the video. What is the most useful promo for a game? I'm trying to think of games that I've had recently that I've had promos for. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for me, generically speaking, any promo which gives you additional stuff for the game that's useful because then you can mix it in and, and use it. Uh, Louis says he's trying to get his wife into more advanced board games. Thinks things like Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. Uh, oh, you like things like Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. And you just got on Mars and you're learning to play it. Thank you for your video on it. That's fine. Uh, your wife is into Yahtzee and real basic things. What game might you recommend as the next step? Okay, so <laughs> if, if your wife is into Yahtzee and basic things, I would rule out on Mars straight away. Um, for many, many, many reasons. And so I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you about my personal story with trying to get my partner into board games, okay? How many years did I spend trying to convince you to play the games that I like? Five? Ten? And I've given up now because it was the wrong thing to do. And I realise that now. Um... So even if you absolutely love the board game and you think, oh, it would be great if my partner would play this with me. Now, if, if, if they're not interested in it, then it's unfair on them and you're not going to enjoy it to make them play it. So you need to find the games that they're going to enjoy. Now, you mentioned Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. I love Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. And for me, I think that is a brilliant game to play with your partner for a couple of reasons. First of all, if they like Lord of the Rings, right? If they don't like Lord of the Rings, forget it. But if they like Lord of the Rings they're hopefully going to enjoy it because they're playing a game that's Lord of the Rings and the artwork's great uh, and the flavor's great and the story's great and everything else, okay? The other thing is, is it, it's a cooperative game and I think one of the problems when playing a game with a, a partner or even anybody and it's a game which is a little bit outside of their normal comfort zone or whatever and it's a competitive game, 
suddenly they find themselves, oh, well, I've, I've got to do this, otherwise I don't win. Whereas a, co a cooperative game throws that all out of the window. So I would I would stick to cooperative games, right? If she doesn't like cooperative games, then then a different story. But I would I would stick to cooperative games because that way you can increase the complexity level of the game and you can say, well, don't, don't worry about that. You know the rules of the game. And that means that she wouldn't need to remember all of the rules because you'd be there to, to deal with all of that. So I would definitely try Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth with her. Other than that, if I've got any any other suggestions, yeah, start with that. Start with the cooperative games because if you find... Uh, I mean, we only play cooperative... Me and Vicky only play cooperative games together. The competitive games that we've tried to play together haven't really worked and we've not really done them, but there's so many cooperative games now that why would you want to play a competitive game with me if I suggested it when we have cooperative games that we'd enjoy? So, yeah, stick to cooperative games would be my, my suggestion. Nicholas wants to know, do I think games that can be two players be considered two-player games? Oh, this is a really interesting question. So, going back to what I was saying earlier on about awards and categories, there are awards for best two-player game. And it actually, it bothers me that some people think that best two-player game means what's the best game that also can be played with two players, right? And I'm going to pick on Terraforming Mars here. Now, Terraforming Mars, I love the game. Terraforming Mars for me is a top 10 game, like the other 50. Um, would I ever consider Terraforming Mars in the best two-player game category? No, I, I wouldn't. Personally, I mean, I think Terraforming Mars works at two-player, but I actually think it's best at three, four, or maybe even five. When I see best two-player card game, what I want to see in that category is games for two players. I don't want to see, or, or board game for two players. I, I want to see a two-player game. There's, there's plenty of two-player games out there. Let's give them their own limelight. I don't want to see a game which has a two-player mode to be included in the best two-player game category. That's my personal thoughts on that. Um, I mean, even something like Ashes, Rise of the Phoenix Born, right? Ashes is technically two to four players, but I don't know anybody who ever plays it at more than two. Same with Mage Wars. Mage Wars is technically two to four players, and Magic the Gathering is technically... A, a multiplayer game if you want it to be, but I would class those in the two-player games category. That's my thoughts on it. Um, next, Kabuki Kid, what would you consider the most wargamery game that you enjoy? Now, I've dabbled with war games on and off over the years, and in the last sort of year I have covered a number of games that could be classed as war games. One of them is Undaunted. I've covered Undaunted uh, quite a few times on the channel. Uh, me and Peter need to get back to our campaign that we've been playing as well. So, now, whether you class Undaunted as a war game or not, I don't know. But it is definitely a game which has a war gamey feel, which I enjoy. Uh, the other game which I've played recently on the channel a few times is Polis. Now, Polis classes itself as a war game. I know some people don't class it as a war game. Um, it's more... It's kind of a hybrid game. It's kind of a hybrid Euro war game for me, Polis. But Polis, I think I've, I've really enjoyed as well. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether I would class Polis as a war game. I'd class it as just a game that has conflict in it. 
Um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't dabbled that much. There is a game that I've been wanting to play for quite a while called No Retreat, which is absolutely 100% a war game. Um, and there's also Conflict of Heroes, which is a game that I've played a little bit of, and that, that's very much a Hex Encounter war game. I've enjoyed a lot of those, but most of those day, most of those games, including Undaunted, does tend to have output randomness. They ha they tend to have dice for resolution. It's a common thing with these games, and I get the fact that warfare is unpredictable and it, it can't be it, it can't be the Euro game mechanisms, um, and it, it generally is rolling dice or drawing cards or anything like that. Um, I, I I I totally get that. Um, but yeah, they're they're some of the ones that that I've enjoyed. Um, next question from Board Game Theatre. Uh, oh, hi Kevin. What are my plans for UK Games Expo? Uh, am I working for somebody doing demos and doing any meetups? So, my plans for UK Games Expo this year are going to be very different from the last eight years or so. So I've been going to UK Games Expo since it started. But for the last, it must be seven or eight years, I have gone to UK Games Expo with a work hat on. Uh, and that work has been Czech Games Edition. So a lot of people who go to UK Games Expo will know that every year I run the CGE booth. So I'm not just there doing demos for them, I actually run the booth. That means organising it, planning it, booking it, getting the demo team together and everything else. This year I have stepped back from my role at CGE. CGE are still going to have a booth there and I'm helping them with the logistics of it, but I'm not I'm not officially organising it anymore. So this is the first year for me for a very long time where I am going and I don't have that many plans. Now, I have still do, offered to do some demos for CGE, um, but I'm also going to be potentially doing some demos for other publishers as well. A number of my clients are going to be there um, and I would like to sort of go around and help them out and things like that. But I'm, I'm planning at least 50% of my time to be free time where I get to just hang out with people and play games. Um, yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a very different year this year. And uh, if you're going, Kevin, let me know. Um, yeah, because we can definitely go out for dinner and, and things like that. I'll, I'll definitely have a lot more free time. Um, Louis says, never been to a gaming convention. Could you give me a name of a convention that happens in California, Arizona or Nevada? So I'm not the best person to ask for that. But let's put this over to the chat. Um, Louis has never been to a board game convention, so give us a board game convention that runs in either California, Arizona, or Nevada, because um, I'm sure there are some. Uh, I mean, I, I think Dice Tower West, which has just happened, uh, I think that was there. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure of ones that happen in that area. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, somebody, somebody will know. Uh, Rick, is Tainted Grail there for a card game? No, Tainted Grail is not a card game. Because <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's a board made up of cards. Ah, uh, see where you're coming from. Clever, clever little hobbits is. No, for me, Tainty Grail is not a card game. Even though, I see what you're saying, it is 99% cards, isn't it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Caught out. Uh, Adam has got a question. What three games, old or newer, would I like to see on Board Game Arena? Oh. That's the question you needed to ask me in advance, Adam. I, thinking off the top of my head, no, I, I can't answer that. Let's ask that to the live chat. So question for those people watching in the live chat. What three games, old or new, well, or just pick one game. What game do you think should be on Board Game Arena, which isn't? I'm just going to have a look through my collection now. I will, I will try 
rather than not answer it at all, let me just pull up my collection. Oh, hang on a minute, it's my turn in uh, Feast for Odin. Um, Board Game Geek. My collection. Let, let's go down the list and see what I think should be on there. Right, okay, so. Well, Anachrony. If Anachrony is not on Board Game Arena, which it isn't, it would be brilliant. If Anachrony was on Board Game Arena, that would be fantastic. Um, what else do I think is on there? Let's sort this by my rating, rather than alphabetical. So I'm going to sort my BGG collection. Uh, so Mage Knight is my number one favourite game. Do I think Mage Knight should be on Board Game Arena? It would be amazing if it was, but I don't think it ever will be. Um, Codenames, they've got their own implementation of that. Gloomhaven, again, I don't think that will be on there. Trajan, I don't think he's on Board Game Arena, but it is on a different website. I think it's on Boitageur, so I can play it on there. Um, Great Western Trail. Oh, yeah, Great Western Trail. Oh, if Great Western Trail was on Board Game Arena, that would be fantastic. Uh, Kalos 1303, that's another of my favourite games. Maracaibo, I don't think will be on there because they've got the app for Maracaibo. Uh, Ark Nova. Oh, if, if Ark Nova was on Board Game Arena, I'd never get any work done. So there's a few for me. Uh, oh, and Ingenious. I don't think Ingenious is on there, and that would be really good because Ingenious is a brilliant game. And Dominant Species. So there's a few. Dominant Species, Ingenious, Maracaibo, which I don't think ever will be, Great Western Trail, um, yeah, Ark Nova and Trajan. But yeah, if you've got any thoughts about what games you would like to see on Board Game Arena, let me know. Uh, next question, Diane says, which I've just answered a little bit, can I outline my burn cycle content plans? Yes, absolutely. So, um, last night I did a, a, a behind-the-scenes video where I basically drooled over the components. I'm pointing down, you can't see it, but, no, in fact, I say you can't see it. I've got the new fancy camera. There you go. Right, so burn cycle, Thor, Thor's confused by the camera moving. There he is. Hello, you. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to me. Yeah, so I've got the new fancy camera working, which I'll just put back up again. There you go. Um, so Burn Cycle is right on the table in front of me. Last night I did a private video for Patreon supporters where I basically got out the game, set it up, and drooled all over the components. Right. I have changed my work plans for tomorrow. So... Uh, tomorrow I had all sorts of plans of what I was going to do. I've changed those and what I'm going to be doing tomorrow afternoon is I am going to be doing a live stream starting at 1pm GMT for about three or so hours where I'm going to be going through the learn to play booklet from Burn Cycle. So, it, so the, what they've done for Burn Cycle is they've produced two rule books for the game and one of them is a rule book and a learn to play as you go and I'm going to be going through that tomorrow. It's, it's going to be a very rough video. It is literally going to be me reading through the book and trying to play the game. Um, and then other than that, the next bit of content that I have planned for it is on the 25th of April, I will be doing a live video with Ricky Royal uh, from Box of Delights. Ricky's coming over for the day and we're going to be playing one of the two-player uh, scenarios together. So that's, um, yeah, that's for the 25th of April. But, yeah, I'm going to be... Um, I'm going to be doing something tomorrow. So yeah, keep an eye out. If you're able to watch it live, brilliant. But if not, it will be on the channel as, as normal later on. Um, okay, so that's that's my plans for Burn Cycle. 
Genway says, what are my, some of my favorite digital adaptations of board games? Easy. Through the Ages is an amazing app, probably the best. The Maracaibo app is also probably uh, it's, it's, it's one of the best as well. So the Maracaibo app is fantastic. The Through the Ages app is fantastic. Uh, Aeon's End, which I don't have on the iPad, but I do have on Steam. The Aeon's End implementation by Handelabra Games is fantastic. The Spirit Island digital version is fantastic. They're all really good. In the past, I've played a number of other games which weren't very good, but those those four are brilliant. They're all board games. They're digital adaptations of board games, and they are brilliant. And, of course, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven Digital is incredible. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some for me. Gloomhaven Digital, Through the Ages, Maracaibo, Spirit Island, Aeon's End. There's probably more, but they are, they are some of my favourite ones. Have I seen that Undaunted is coming to Steam? I have. And I've already contacted Osprey Games and said, gimme, gimme, gimme early access. Um, yeah. Right. And last question. How is my memory lately? Am I doing anything to help with that? My memory is... Is it actually better than it used to be? I think it is. I think the number of times... Because my memory is pretty shocking. Um, but... Now that I've cut down my workload a bit and I seem to have a little bit more free time and my brain is a bit less busy, I'm tending to forget things less. So I, th I think it's improved. Um, I'm not doing anything really about it other than just trying to work less and trying to have less on my mind. Saying that, I didn't get to sleep till three o'clock this morning because I had too many things on my mind and I couldn't get to sleep. But that aside, <laughs> I think overall, I think it, I think it is better. Um, right, James says he really enjoyed following along my live playthroughs of Journeys in Middle Earth and Drake Hollow. Will I do anything similar anytime soon? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this early today. So, uh, one of my patron supporters, Gary, has the entire sorry had the entire collection for Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. Okay, I only had the base game. I didn't have any of the expansions, but Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, I think, is a fantastic game. I've loved the game. I've covered it a lot on the channel. I've done an entire playthrough of the first campaign, but there's there's like six campaigns for it or something. And I thought, okay, do I want all of the rest of the expansion stuff for this? Now, Gary was getting rid of it cheap, and I thought, I'll tell you what, yes, I, I do. Um, so I'd love to play it more. I've got, I, I mean, I, I could, like a lot of the other games that I've talked about, I could spend the next four months doing another Lord of the Rings Journeys in the Middle of the Campaign, and then again. Um, but then again, I want to get back to Arkham Horror, because it's been too long since I've played Arkham Horror. Um, will I be doing anything similar anytime soon? So yeah, I've been thinking about it. I want to do either the next Maracaibo campaign, or another Lord of the Rings Journeys in the Middle of the Campaign, or the Australia solo campaign, or more Cloudspire, or more Burns... There's so many games I want to cover. I mean, seriously, if, if I can just... Once I've got these rule books out of the way, because uh, those pesky rule books are still hanging around, but in the next few weeks, hopefully those rule books will be out of the way, and then I can start living the life that I wanted to start at the start of this year, which is doing more content for the channel and more playthroughs. And I keep talking about it, and it keeps not happening, but as I say, every day I get up and there's still rule book work that needs to be done, but it's all going. Um, so yeah, I, I do want to do more games, I do want to cover more games on the channel, and I do want to do games which are not just one-offs. I want to cover more campaign games. It will be down to Patreon supporters. So at some point in the next few weeks, 
I am very likely going to be posting a poll on the Patreon page. So yeah, Patreon supporters get a chance to vote on what games I'm going to cover on the channel. Because I want to know what you want me to do next. Bearing in mind, if we do vote on the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth, it's going to be once or twice a week for about two months. It's going to be a huge amount of work. Um, I don't mind doing it, but it is going to take up a lot of, uh, a lot of regular time. Uh, yes, right, next question from Adam. Um, Gridcon, do we think we'll ever go back to having an event twice a year or keeping it to a single event? It's a good question. So for those people who don't know, Gridcon is the convention that me and Vicky organised together. We have just announced, if you, are, uh, if you are interested in attending, we have just announced the dates for Gridcon 3 and hotel bookings is now open as of yesterday. And if you haven't booked a hotel room already, do it quick because they are almost sold out. That doesn't mean that you can't come to the event. Uh, there's going to be more tickets for the event than there are hotel rooms. And there's a hotel over the road. But the hotel over the road is more expensive. We've agreed a discount rate for the hotel rooms for Gridcon 3. So if you want to come to Gridcon 3, book your hotel room soon. That is held in November. But our original plans were that Gridcon would be a twice yearly event, a biannual event. Once around the summer and once in the winter. And the reason why it's held once around the summer is Gridcon is a replacement for my birthday games weekend, which happens in July over the time of my birthday. Now that we're not going to be running a Gridcon in the summer, I don't know what I'm going to be doing for my birthday. I want to do a games weekend, but I don't want that games weekend to grow to 30 people like the last ones did, because that means it was just too much and it was too stressful having that many people in the house. So I don't know Adam. We've talked about having uh, um, uh, having a couple of games days here and inviting a few people. We've talked about possibly looking at hiring a local venue just like a town hall for a day or two days or something like that. We've talked about a few ideas but the reality is all of those things take a lot of time and effort to organise. So yeah, I watch this space. I'm not exactly sure what I will be doing in the summer but I kind of do want to do something because it, it is my 27th birthday this year so what <laughs> uh, do we need any help for gridcon we will definitely need help for gridcon nearer the time uh, but we probably don't need any help for gridcon beforehand but thank you very much for the offer but yeah at the time of gridcon we will definitely need help with some of the logistics specifically transporting all of the stuff uh, from the house to the to the venue and, and back again um, right that's the end of the questions so Let's just have a couple of quick reminders. First of all, Patreon. Thank you very much again to all of my Patreon supporters for funding the channel. If you've enjoyed this video and you want to help support the channel directly, uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. I want pretty much all of my videos, apart from the, the behind the scenes ones, I want all of my videos to stay public. Um, I don't really want to put any of my videos behind a paywall, as I say, apart from these behind the scenes ones that are just fun videos to do. Um, but I'm only able to do that thanks to the support of the Patreon. So yeah, your support helps keep the channel going. Thank you very much for that. Also the contest. If you haven't entered the contest yet, do so now. And if you're not watching this live, if you're watching this video like on the 20th of April and you think, oh, it's too late, I've missed the contest. You haven't missed the contest. The contest only closes on the morning of the next Q&A. And the next Q&A is going to be April the 27th. So you have until from now to April the 27th in order to enter the contest. And all you do is click on the link in the form. 
The secret word is burn cycle. If you put a capital B, your entry will be uh, removed and deleted. So it's got to be lower. I mean, I'm joking, but it should be lowercase b. There is a reason why it's a lowercase b. Uh, so yeah, burn cycle is the secret word. Pop that in there. And as I say, if you're a patron supporter, you get two entries into the draw. If you're not a patron supporter, you get one entry into the draw. And I'll do the draw just before the next live Q&A. Um, and the final thing is the guild, the Board Game Geek Guild. If you are not a member of the Board Game Geek Guild, please go and join up. When you do join the guild, make sure you also click that subscribe button. If you don't click subscribe, what will happen is you'll be a member of the guild, but you'll never get anything. You'll never see any notifications or anything like that. And the guild is there for you as well. Uh, the guild is not just there for me to post things and for you to reply. If you've got any questions that you want to ask the, uh, the guild community, uh, you can do so. Just just create a new thread and post some uh, post something there, and you'll you'll get you'll get lots of responses. It's actually interesting because there's a lot of people who are members of my guild who always contribute to anything posted to the guild, uh, but I never they're not patron supporters, and I never see them in any of the videos that I do. Um, so there's definite there's a definite gaming rules community on the BGG guild that isn't active anywhere else. So you, you're going to get you're going to get answers from different people there. Um, is that everything? Have we had any more questions? We haven't had any more questions. So 6.30. Perfect. I really thought, I really wanted to get this done by 6.30. But when we were at 10 past 6 and I hadn't finished all of the uh, the questions that had been asked before, I really didn't think we were going to do it. But we did. And yes, Boon Lake tonight. So speaking of behind the scenes videos, tonight at some point, probably around quarter past 7, uh, so about 45 minutes from now, there will be a Patreon-only stream of Graham and Mark teaching me how to play Boon Lake with me staying awake as long as I can and then Willem stepping in for me if I get too tired and I have to go to bed. So that's the plan for tonight. I am covering Boon Lake on Friday, but I need to I need to be taught... Well, I need to learn how to play it and what better way to learn how to play than have somebody teach me and play it while, I, while I'm doing it. So that's, what, that's what's happening tonight. If you're not doing anything tonight and you want to see me being taught how to play Boon Lake, I'll post a link on Slack. Um, but that's it we're all done thank you very much to everybody for your support thank you to everybody for watching and keeping us company uh, yeah another good live Q&A and I'll see you next month this uh, will be available as a podcast obviously if you've been watching this live you don't you don't need to listen to it again as a podcast but we do have a gaming rules podcast so if you don't know about the podcast uh, go and search for it just type in just google gaming rules new podcast and my, my monthly video logs and my live Q&A's get transposed into audio format and then put up into a podcast so if you're a podcast listener you might be listening to this right now hello this is this is for you um and that's done thanks to the support of the patreon campaign and chrissy does all of the the background work on that to make it happen so thank you very much chrissy for making that because there's a lot of people who can't watch these live and they they don't have time to watch the video logs but they listen to the podcast version when they're on the way to work or out walking or something like that so yeah hello to you podcast listeners but that's everything. I will see some of you tonight and I will see the rest of you in future live streams. For now, take care. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.